Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Hello, and welcome to this special bonus episode of This Spiritual Fix, where today we are going to be talking to best-selling author Laura Day about intuition, business, and the like. Laura Day has spent the last three decades helping individuals, organizations, and companies use their innate intuitive abilities to help create profound changes in their lives. Her work has helped demystify intuition and demonstrates its practical verifiable uses in the fields of business, science, medicine, and personal growth. Laura has been featured in many publications, including Newsweek, New York Magazine, The Independent, Bottom Line, Cosmo, Marie Claire, and People Magazine. She is now unabashedly living her best life as a house cat. Her words, not ours. Enjoy the interview. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. Hey, Anna. Hey, Christina. And hi, Laura. Hi, Laura. Hello. Welcome to the spiritual fix. We're so excited to have you to share with our listeners. Well, thank you for having me. Hey, well, one of the things we wanted to ask today, because for anyone who's been alive in the last year and a half going through the pandemic has been a lot of make or break for a lot of relationships. And a lot of people are either trying to date or having trouble dating in a pandemic, or they've been living under the same roof as someone for a year in challenging conditions. So we wanted to ask, what are the greatest challenges of dating in the modern age? And how can those challenges be eased with or addressed with intuition? So one of the things that I think was highlighted by the pandemic was that we're always looking for an excuse because there are countless stories of people who did fall in love during the pandemic and actually took advantage of the fact that they couldn't just fall into bed to, for the first time, get to know somebody and form a deep relationship. There were you know, the normal, I think that everything was a little bit in a pressure cooker. But I always tell my students, look for the can do in any situation, because you can't always predict, you can sometimes, and we'll talk about that when we talk about intuition, you can't always control your environment, but you can control what you do with it. So I think a lot of people blame the pandemic for, oh my goodness, I'm 30 and the pandemic happened now. Oh my goodness, I'm 50 on my first divorce and the pandemic happened now. But those people who said, okay, wow, showing me the problems in my marriage. Wow, showing me that I don't actually make contact. Wow, let me use this to create, actually created some pretty amazing things. I personally have my husband chain naked to the dining room table and I'm completely enjoying it. I love that. Awesome, awesome. Can you give us some basic tips for our listeners, how they can enhance their own intuition? Yes. One of the most important things with training intuition, and what I mean by training intuition is how do we use intuition to create something positive in our lives, not how do we use intuition to predict the next earthquake we can't do anything about. So the, the number one rule is know your question or know your goal. Because you're getting intuitive information all the time, but a lot of the time, it's just more mess for you to hold in your reality. So, so 
you know, in, in any moment of your life, what is it that is the dearest to your heart that you're trying to build right now? And I think people get frightened. You know, we live in such a high anxiety time. People get frightened about choosing a goal. Oh my God, if I choose love, does that mean I don't care about my career? Or if I choose, you know, working it out with, with my creativity, does that mean I don't care about love? And really when you choose a goal, what you're doing is you're creating an anchor and around that anchor, everything else grows. So on some level, it doesn't matter what your anchor is, as long as it's something that you're truly hungry for. And, and we blame ourselves so much for saying, oh my God, I should really be thinking about career and not about love. But what I really want is love. When you pick a goal that you really want, all of the sudden, if you're looking for possibilities and not obstacles, all of a sudden intuition will literally knock you in the right direction. And, you know, we also make a mistake because we assume intuition comes in some angelic or comes in some special time, like in the middle of meditation. And actually, when you're thinking, you know, I, my goal is I want to meet my life partner. And all of a sudden, you're walking down, you know, to work and you see six posters for and the same event that you that were always there, but this is the first time you notice them. That is also your intuition using your environment. So it's really important to have a goal. And then it's really important once you have that goal to be aware of what jumps out from your normal process. So that's my number one tip. And from there, you know, you, and we can speak about this later, use your sleep, notice what you notice. So keep track of things. One of the things that I really try to teach my, my students and readers to do more of is to document what you know, because what happens when you do that? So, you know, you're going into a meeting and you know that someone's going to say something stupid. And if you laugh, you'll make an instant friend. You just have a sense. You're going to make that instant friend by being open. But that's not your normal protocol for a meeting. You want to look respectable. You want to look like, you know, one of the heavy hitters. So you jot it down. And then it happens. And you try because there's not a big risk. You try going with your intuition. And you see, wow, you're someone who didn't give you the time of day, all of a sudden is your best friend, your intuition was right. And what that does is it allows your subconscious, which is, by the way, running the show, your subconscious to make your intuition more and more available to you. Until when you're walking down the street, you are literally walking hand in hand with someone else. And that someone else is that knowing, predictive, telepathic, powerful part of yourself. Wonderful. I, I have a follow-up question too, when you're talking about anchors, can you give us examples of some of those anchors that have worked well for people that are around you too? Cause I feel like that's, you know, you're talking about can do and, and, and this, and, and I know that some people do think that their goals are mutually exclusive and sometimes our intuition leads us down one path and we feel like we may have left something behind. So what are some examples of those anchors that, that you've come across that have worked well for people? Well, often when people are in a kind of love moment that feels unsafe, they focus on the unsafety. And when you can redirect them, uh, and I train intuitive, so I train people to do this, when the intuitive can redirect them and say, okay, things are a little, you know, all over the place in your love life right now, but what are you wanting to do? And the person says, well, you know, I really wish I could, you know, get my art out there. And so you encourage the person, you anchor them in getting their art up out there. And because they have so much self-confidence when they're getting their art out there, they meet someone or they assert themselves in a different way in their relationship. And so everything heals together. Also, you know, we forget that we are basically walking drug stores. We create so many chemicals, so many neurotransmitters, so many hormones. Our well-being sends a signal to everyone around us. And what we learn from intuition is even people who aren't around us, but at a distance, your well-being is your strongest tool. And it's the thing, and especially 
you know, I know you guys are moms and I'm a mom too, but my son's a grown man, so takes care of himself. But especially moms, I think, oh, you know, my well-being can wait. But actually, no, because everybody around you suffers when you're not well. And that's true of every single person. So when you anchor somebody, when you focus them on what they can do well, when you rearrange pieces they already have in a way that their walking drugstore is making chemicals that allow them to be effective while finding life manageable, what you find is that their whole life heals around them. And often, you know, you can only imagine from what you know, you can only imagine from your past. Intuition gives you vision, which is not imagination. It gives you vision of what can be. So again, when you have a a goal, a wish, that what you do is you begin to ignite that vision. And initially, which is another reason to write stuff down, you don't initially relate to it because that vision doesn't resemble something you know from the past. I remember once saying to my therapist in my 20s, oh, and I was traveling all around the world and I was working and I was living out of a suitcase and I had this marvelous you know, career and all these other things. But my, but I was like, all I want is a white picket fence and a sweet little house. And he looked at me and he said, sweetheart, you've been reading too many books. You know, this is, you think this is what you want, but you would need much better psych meds if that was what you had. And when I thought about it, I laughed because he was absolutely right. And now, you know, nearly 40 years later, yeah, I have a great suitcase. I actually unpack a hotel room wherever I go. I have, I mean, I have an amazing life, but I was wasting so much time wishing for something from memory. So write down those things that you don't recognize. You know, you're wishing for a certain kind of partner and you keep getting senses of these different kinds of people but when you write them down they may you may not recognize them as your partner because they may not be they may not resemble your crazy abusive parents which is what you normally like but what will happen is when you meet them in life you will recognize them because you will in a sense been teaching yourself i mean we are so powerful in our own lives and what i love about self-help which is my genre of book what i love about self-help is it really gives you the process from people who have done it successfully so you can thrive. What I hate about self-help is that it often tells you, oh, I don't have the answer, but someone else does. And that's actually not true. Everyone has the answer. It's just much quicker to get a pattern from someone else and then adapt it. I, I always tell my students and readers, take my work, and then smash it to pieces, take what's useful, make it your own. And then not only will you have the key to your own life, but you'll have something to teach others. That's great. Yeah. The guru is within. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, the guru is within. I mean, that is that really uh, true. One of the biggest complaints I get in my workshop is, well, your directions aren't clear enough. And I'm, yes, that's intentional. I'm here, I'm your anchor right now, and I want to see you struggle, and I want to see you struggle until you've gone down so deep that you have found that gem, because we are all so hesitant to, you know, stick our arm in our anger and our envy and our shame and the many people we've been that we wish we hadn't been, that we want to not see, you know, we all, we all like to see the evolved self and not the rest of it, but under you know, there's a reason you fertilize a garden and under that shit are those beautiful, powerful gems that just belong to you. And then that's your teaching, because I truly have experienced that we walk through life as teachers and we don't always know it. You know, some of the most powerful people have not taught me a lot. And some of the most, you know, seemingly insignificant encounters have taught me so much, you know, they've become the stories that I repeat in my life. I think we live so much in a somebody, nobody era, and there are no nobodies. And there really are no somebodies who are more somebody than anybody else. 
Right. And to recognize that about yourself is so important. Right. So, so I have a follow-up to that because this is my weakness here. And, and this is me asking advice on my own weakness is that I oftentimes will get a vision of the future of what I believe, right? Like, like you said, I've written it down or I've done something where I've, I've gotten rid of all the kind of trauma lenses that can come through there. Like, oh, I can only have this much or it can only be this big because I can't have all that. Like I, I do the work, I get rid of all that and I kind of make it the anchor of like whatever it is that I can also dream of. And then when it comes to making the steps, sometimes I feel like I manifest too many steps or I become too controlled about how I actually get there, right? And sometimes it's like I can't even allow the other possibilities to come in. Do you see that as a problem or do you see that as a benefit? You know, I think it's a little of both. It is really wonderful to persevere, to have a vision and to stick with it. It's also really wonderful to realize that a vision is only as good as the eye that's seeing it. And your eyes grow once you have a vision. So being able to be flexible within that vision is also very important without giving it up, but being able to say, okay, this part of the vision is not, it, it isn't that important to me. It, it can, let me see if I can look like this and I can still be happy with it or even be happier with it. You know, let me see what I can, what flexibility allows. So I think that part of what you're talking about is being inflexible. And one of the things that's really important to realize is that we create our lives. The biggest downside with getting readings. And of course, as a psychic, what I do for a living is I predict the future for companies. I am all about the future. But one of the biggest downsides of the future is that it limits us to what we see in the future. And it's so important to have that constant reminder that in this point in space time, or what we call this moment, I am creating the future. I, every person is creating the future. Now, you know, it, 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 the, a problem with inflexibility, and I think especially in love, we can be inflexible. I know I certainly have been guilty of that. One problem with inflexibility is it, it in a sense, doesn't allow us to grow because the person you will be needs something that you can't envision yet. So when I wanted, I met my first husband when I was 16 and I was single for the first time at 50. And I thought to myself, okay, this time I'm going to really, instead of falling into a relationship, I'm going to pick somebody and this is what I want. And I had a list and I felt like it was a pretty flexible list. And by the end of the process, and the process took me two years to find my husband, the man I wanted to spend my life with. But in, in the process, one of the things that I noticed really allowed me to find exactly what I would want, not what I did want in that moment, was saying, oh, quite what I envisioned, but let me give it a try. Not let me accept it, not let me accept less or accept what I don't want, but let me give it a try. So I had a three date, one kiss rule that I had to go on each, with each person I had to go on three dates. And if at all possible, I had to have one kiss because I, I realized that what my list was about, what my goal was about was a reaction to what I had experienced instead of what the strong person who had formed in that short time I was alone was actually able to have. And so I earned my wonderful husband who's chained naked to the dining room table. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think that's a really wonderful way of explaining it because as I mentioned before when we were talking before the episode that, you know, I, I work as a psychic intuitive with people and I work with them and oftentimes when it comes to predicting the future and they're like, well, when's my partner going to come around? I'm always just like, well, for one thing, there are so many different timelines and possibilities about what can happen. 
And if I tell you that, then maybe you're just going to stop doing anything and wait for that date to show up, you know, right? Like that's the kind of classic, you know. Or you fulfill a lesser destiny. I mean, one of the fun, and I love, I think that's a great process. But, you know, one of the things that I like to, and I'm not, except with my students, not working with love, I'm working with different possibilities for companies, but is to say, okay, let me introduce you to this possibility. And now if you do this at this time, let me introduce you to this possibility. Let me introduce you to these possibilities. And now, because you're a different person now, than you were half an hour ago when I started making these introductions. What, where would you like us to put our attention? You know, where would you like, where would you like to go? Knowing that you may, you may change midway. I mean, I, I laugh now when I, I had a, a student I was teaching. Omega used to have a, which is a learning institute, used to have a place in Austin, Texas. And I did a workshop about 20 years ago in Austin, Texas, and it was way, way too big. So I didn't really get to focus on people. So at the end, I, at the end, people as a gift give me a reading and they write it on this big butcher block paper. And one woman gave me this absurd reading. She said, oh, I see you marrying a Colorado cowboy who works in TV and film. And I'm, and I said to her, and this is not one of my proudest teaching moments. I said, you know what? I rarely say this, intuition is usually on target, but for some reason, this is just way off. I I just, but thank you anyway for your effort and I'm sure you'll get the hang of this. Well, I had to call her back 20 years or 15 years later because I was going, I was getting rid of stuff because my husband from Littleton, Colorado, who's a TV and screenwriter, something I said, I would never, ever, I wouldn't even date. I said, I won't even date an entertainment dentist, nobody (laughs) in entertainment, but I was getting rid of stuff to make room for his clothes because he was moving into my apartment because I have a hard and fast rule. I do not sleep in another woman's bed. So even though he had been divorced for 10 years, I was like, nope, not staying in your apartment. So you got to move into mine. So I had to make space. I find this big piece of butcher block and it's, she's got a little cowboy hat drawn, you know, Colorado cowboy, blah, blah, blah. And she didn't, she put her initials, but not her name. And I posted publicly, I need to know the person who did this reading. I owe you an apology. And she got in touch with me and now she's part of the circle again. But I had to apologize because, you know, 15 years before I met him or 10 years before I met him, she predicted this person who was not part of my goal, not in my reality, but I hadn't grown up enough to meet him. That, that's so funny. We were on our quest to find our soulmate husband. We called it triple SMH, super sweet soulmate husband. You know, that was our oh. thing. And I was like on a quest and she's like, Anna, you got to date somebody and go for someone who is outside of all of your other like stereotypical, you know, your type because you need someone bigger than that. And as you grow, you're going to get bigger than that. And I think the man you're going to marry is going to be a businessman and he's going to love football, which is like totally opposite of like every guy I ever dated before that. And then lo and behold, my husband loves football and he's a total businessman with a huge spiritual side, of course. But it was just funny because like she could see what I couldn't, which was I had to step into something more flexible and bigger so I could be ready for this man. When I, when I met my husband, I said to someone, he's just not my type. And this woman said to me, you know, I think that's a good thing. That's hilarious. (laughs) I love it. But it it really, you know, and, you know, having your person, I think is even more important than finding the right job. Like your person and your person can be a friend, your person can be your partner, but the people, how you populate your life really defines your every moment. It defines the quality of the very tissues of your body. And it is an, such an important thing to realize that, that we need to grow into our relationship and not find them, you know, not find something that, that matches us. And that's always challenging. I mean, I have a very amazing and wonderful husband, but 
although I'm sure he doesn't find me challenging at all, I still find a lot challenging. And I have to remind myself, wait, this is a separate person. This is my person. And, you know, he deserves the work. I deserve the work. And it has been really wonderful. I don't think I've ever, it took me a long time to be mature enough and perhaps unselfish enough, because I think one of the things you'll hear from a lot of intuitives is that we're pretty good at getting what we want. But it took me a really long time to realize that growing to meet another person is the best lesson plan in the world for a happy life, no matter how difficult it is. You know, not projecting on someone, but saying, okay, I, I have to own this even though I think it's all his fault, which it actually may be, but no, I have to own this. And what can I do about this? How can I make the shift? And, and how can I make the shift in a way that's healthy for me? And so I'm not encouraging martyrs. And I think women especially are very good at being martyrs. You know, how can I be better so he can be worse? That's not what I'm talking about, but I am talking about, okay, this crosses a boundary. I'm responsible for my own boundaries. What do I do about this? What fears do I have to confront? And a really great way for those of you who, have, who are not in a relationship with your very own person yet, or not in a satisfying one, it's really helpful to start with the person who makes your coffee, your friend, your family members. There's nothing more difficult in, in mesh than a family member, you know, to really learn where, how to take responsibility in those relationships, how to create kind boundaries, but firm ones, how to find pleasure in new ways. When you can do that on the training ground of the person you sit next to on the train, or the person who's, you know, the barista who's making you your coffee, or your sister who drives you batshit crazy, you train yourself for love. And I was very lucky in the two years I was somewhat single to have to really have a very good group of friends and to live in a city where you're always inundated with people. Because I did have to catch myself and say, oh, wait a sec. Here's Laura Day has all the answers, selfish, entitled bitch. Maybe I want to work on that. You know, it was really helpful to have that training ground. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you said earlier about earning, like earning the person, earning the partner, because I think a lot of people get caught up in, well, I just need to manifest the right person, or I just need to find the right person. But, but a lot of it is in your hands to become the type of person that would attract so-and-so, or to become the kind of person who's actually good with anyone. I mean, you know, not to lower your standards or be okay with a narcissist or an abuser, but if, if you are, you know, impossibly flexible, you can be good and happy with anyone if you want to say. So I really like what you said about earning the partner. And I'm wondering if you could say a little more about using your intuition to kind of rise up to be that person you want to be or attract the kind of people you want to attract. Well, you know, the interesting thing is a lot of the time, because we tend to experience our life in thoughts, uh, we think, well, what do we have to think? How do we have to change how we phrase something? And actually, my sense is what brought me my partner was what I call body heat telepathy. So what I started doing was living with this imaginary partner. I, my, my son, thankfully, was at college, so he couldn't laugh and ridicule me. But I set an extra place at breakfast, and I sat down, and I talked to him, and I told him about my day, and I tried to listen to him. At night, often I would put on music and I would literally dance with him. I'd put on some perfume. I'd put on a pretty nighty. I'd put on some music. And I'd put my arms around him. And a lot of the time, all I felt was like a pathetic imposter. There were a lot of weepy nights where I would dance and weep. And then I'd remember, wait, I'm not alone. There is no time and space. I am dancing with my partner. And so I would move toward weeping because I was alone and pathetic, to weeping on his shoulder and telling him how I'm feeling and thank you so much for listening and then listening to how he was feeling. And I'm going to cry when I say this, but the first time I ever danced 
with which was after we were married, by the way, first time I ever danced in my own living room, you know, not at an event, but with my husband having had a difficult day. And he just, he put on his playlist, not my favorite, and put his arms around me and put my head on his shoulder and just moved with me. And all of a sudden I thought, oh my God. And I wept because I'd had a horrible day. I thought, oh my God, this is the man I was dancing with in my living room when I was all alone. It was exactly the same. So a lot of the moral of this very long story is be with the person. And you will find that in being with the person that you have not identified yet, you will become the person who can be with that partner. Do things with the person, talk to the person, walk down the street and hold the person's hand. Or if the person doesn't like holding hands, and once again, this person hasn't appeared yet, walk side by side and feel their energy beside you. Part of allowing intuitively someone in your life, and I hate the word manifesting because manifesting just means making something happen. So part of making something happen is making the energetic, the magnetic space for it. And that doesn't always feel good by the way, you know, we're really stuck on feel good. We're really stuck on, oh, if I don't believe in this, it won't happen. Nah, if you don't believe that it's happening, it's because it hasn't happened yet. And because you have doubts and it's to repress those doubts gives them strength. You can walk down the street, say, I am absolutely a psycho for talking to somebody who's not there and holding the hand of someone who's not there. And I'm going to do this anyway. And, you know, those things can coexist. But if you allow yourself to make space in your bed, don't sleep in the middle, make space in your bed for that person, cuddle up to them, love them, feel the grief at their absence. What you'll find is that very rapidly, because of your courage in being able to make space and not repress, that person appears. That is so wonderful. I just have to say, like, I got chills when you were describing that because I literally last night had a very elaborate dream about dancing by myself on a ballroom floor. Like, and the fact that I had that dream last night and you're talking about that now was just a nice little moment for me over here listening to that. <laughs> well, that, you know, that's always what happens when two intuitives get together. I once, I once in an argument with my husband said, you know, you're really lucky you live with a psychic because I have to do both sides of the argument. I have to say, <laughs> wow, you must be angry that I was so inconsiderate that I did that. And I'm sorry that I did that. But then I said, wait a sec. No, screw this. You need to argue your side, not my job. But yes, I think that intuitives, that it is the lovely thing about having friends and interfacing with people who are aware of their telepathy, who are aware that I can stroke your cheek without being in the same room with you and you can feel my affection. You know, it is, it, there is a whole other life that goes on for all of us, but having the awareness of it does make you feel like you're with your own tribe, I will say. Yeah, yeah, I completely mm -hmm. agree with that. I completely agree. Anna, I would love to pivot here for because I have a couple of business questions for Laura as well. Go but for if it. you want to Go ask anything, it. all right. So I couldn't help but think when you were talking about finding your partner and like, you know, like surrounding yourself and kind of doing that, using the testing field around you, it just reminded me a lot of when people go to like expand their own business and like recruit and get more employees or get more partners or things like that. Like so often I've made the mistake in the past of being like, oh, we just need to find more of us. We just need to find more of us now. Like, that's what we need. Like, how can we replicate ourselves or how can we copy ourselves? And then you go out to do that and then it never works that way. And oftentimes by trying to find yourself, you actually realize that, that you almost find the evolution of yourself in another person, which is sometimes a good thing. And sometimes it's a devolution, but you know, I would love just to hear more about what you mean, like how you apply these things to business since that is such your strong, your strong suit. Obviously you have it in love as well, but I'd love to hear more. Well, with, I mean, really what I do for businesses is I'm responding to their questions because 
I, I often don't even really understand the question they're asking. They ask, a, they give me a target and I describe what I see and most of it's precognitive. And I've worked with the same companies for 30 years. So I, I have often some sense, but one is for example, venture capital where they're investing in so many companies that I never get that I never really get a grasp of what they're doing. I, I do think that in, in hiring, it's really helpful to have another set of intuitive eyes because just like we tend to pick partners from our history, it's very hard not to also pick employees from our history. Whereas when you, so another set of eyes is helpful and also Again, set a target. So your target may be, I need someone who takes enough off my plate that I have four hours to live my life during the day. Or, you know, it's very helpful to define what it is you're looking for, because then you'll notice it. And often you'll reject it initially because it doesn't match some fantasy. I mean, I would never want to find another person like myself to work with me. I'd like to find someone like me to read me, which is why I always think I teach, I train intuitives. So I have intuitives like me to read me because as you know, it's so hard to read yourself because you have your own biases. It's so helpful. I I have two other professional intuitives. One one I read, we we exchange every night and one we exchange every morning because they're on different time zones. And it's so orienting because I can see them because I have detachment and they can see me because they have detachment. But seeing yourself is, you know, and seeing your own future gets complicated with a lot of things. So in business, I really ask my clients not to let me know too much about what they're asking me, just to give me a target so I can tell them where my attention goes and give them some clear ideas. When I, I recently hired a caretaker uh, for my elderly father, and I picked someone who I, you know, had a sense ahead of time would be good. But then I also had a really good friend who doesn't, who's not one, the most intuitive person I know, but who is, you know, very grounded and logical. I had her interview as well. It's very helpful when you're interviewing people instead of looking for something to precognitively sit down and say okay who would the best person be to to meet this goal of mine have a house that runs seamlessly have you know increase my readership what are my goals and then what's the best person and before you even start interviewing write down where your senses go a really clear description of the right person, but allow it to come to you. Don't look for it. And what you'll find is as you're looking for people, or even you're sitting in, you know, a coffee shop and you'll see someone who completely matches that description and you'll go over and you say, wow, are you looking for a job? You know, you just look so competent in what you're doing, how you scratched your knee. You find some excuse to talk to them. And I'll say, well, yes, I am. And I have skills and this and that, and they'll be the right person. So I, I think it's very hard in the moment to engage intuition unless it's a life or death situation, which is what intuition is for, to save your life when you don't have time to reason. But you can use precognition to say, okay, the, the exact person I need right now to do this in my business who is that person? And then without looking, notice everywhere your attention goes. So what that would look like for me is my attention goes to this lamp that actually looks like a very tall woman. So I'm seeing it's a tall woman. I just looked at a picture of my son when he was blonde, tall woman, probably blonde. Interesting. I'm seeing all of these bottles I have of different potions. So might have a background in chemistry. I'm seeing an M on one of my books and I write all of this down. And then I I leave it for a day, maybe go back to it and say, okay, this we're describing a person, what would this person, what, how would this person appear? How would I recognize them? And then once I've done that, carry that little description. And when you meet that person, if they're if what if your questions not your intuitive questions but your real questions what's your training how long have you worked what salary do you want if that matches you say wow my precognition 
worked. This is the person. And let me give them a two-week trial. You know, you just described Christina. She's tall, she's blonde, and she used to be a chemist. You oh really did. <laughs> well, I mean, I saw how intuition works. Well, I always tell my students, you're looking for clues. You're trying to make stuff up. Intuition is right there. It's a I love lot it. less work. Than it's like just you're just sifting through dream world in this waking world. I love it. <laughs> I do. I do. And I have to say, you've literally just given me an anchor for my future life. If I can work with companies and help and do precognition on their goals, I'm just like, you've just given well, me a new anchor, Laura. <laughs> Christina, that working with companies is easier than working with people. The way predicting the future is easier than reading the past because mm -hmm. the past has interpretation. The future is just data. So when you read the past, whose perspective are you looking at? What moment are you looking at? From what from what point of, you know, what are you looking for in what you're looking at? Whereas the future is just data. It hasn't been interpreted yet, and it's much easier to read. So my, you know, I, I do, I read my students in my workshops all the time because I'm compulsive about it. And those are really my more complicated, challenging readings because when you're predicting what a market's going to do or what the pound's going to do, or uh, if a company is going to beat its competitor to the market or what's wrong with the packaging, you're predicting something that you can fix before it happens, or you can move to a different position, or you can, you know, short something and yeah, there's so many different things you can do, whereas the past is so rich and complicated. And I love, I really love training intuitives for business. And it's always the ones who don't want to kind of get their hands dirty who do the business readings because dealing with people in a way takes so much more. And I love, love, love my students who do make the choice to help people navigate their lives because it's complicated and often it requires telling people things they don't really want to hear or you know i i always say this is just one intuitive vision because of course nobody's 100 percent, myself included mm -hmm. and anyone who tells you they're 100 percent, whether they're your intuitive your doctor or your priest you should be very cautious of that right. because it just <laughs> doesn't exist but to take on the role of guide for another is a, is a very big and complex responsibility. And the, you know, the students I train for make so much more than the students I train for you know, civilians, but in a way their job is much easier. Yeah, less messy. So. Well, also less complex. I mean, somebody's life has so many components and so many time zones, past, present, future, this person's dealing with this person, dealing in that environment. Whereas a company, in a sense, really just has to keep it clean and make the right moves and know what's coming up so they can readjust, hire, fire. You know, you can't fire your kid, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's much more difficult. You know, yeah. your employee gives you trouble. You figure out, you know, you figure out how to Re, you know, replace them, reassign them, or fire them. Your parent, your child, even your best friend gives you trouble. It's a little, it's a lot harder. You've got to really be in there in a very different way. Oh yeah. There's a lot of cleaning up that has to happen in the personal yep. because they could have ancestral curses. There have to, I mean, I'm sure that there are some companies that exist that have some of that stuff associated with them, but I'm sure it's a completely kind of different feeling or it's a different experience of cleaning up any kind of past well, thing that more they than anything in a company you're what you're really cleaning up is your past PR so your public's mm -hmm. perception of your product less so than your internal perception because that can be done that actually I think can be done pretty effectively and pretty quickly you know I, I mean a rotten company just by you know putting childcare on premises can all of a sudden become a wonderful place to work Whereas it's it's a little more complex when you're dealing with a human being. I mean, you know, the internal process externalized in the life we create, because of course we are projection mechanisms. You know, we create what we are, not what we not what we intend to manifest. We create what we are. So when you want to create something new, I've always found the biggest challenge isn't finding what you want in the world. It's all over the place. The biggest challenge is 
working through letting go of what you need to let go of, accepting responsibility for what you need to accept responsibility for, making actual changes and that transformation that takes place in self. Certainly in my own life, that's what I struggle with. I will notice, oh, wow, I'm doing an old pattern that's taken me a bad place. Again, I haven't seen this pattern for eight years, but interesting, it was still somewhere on the bottom of that suitcase. And it's so frustrating because you think, wow, didn't I just spend like five years in therapy and breath work and whatever, getting rid of this. And now it's raising its head, but there's always a reason why. There's always a payoff for dealing with the difficult bits of who we are. And I think that, you know, the, the, um, the directive to be more spiritual is often something that keeps us from growing spiritually because we are, we're all spirit. You know, you don't have to work to be more spiritual. But life is hard work, and you do have to work to be able to create in your life what you want. And we don't honor our struggles enough. You know, we always look at what we're not doing well enough or what we're doing wrong. And we don't honor, wait a sec, getting through a day is not always easy. And I did that today. Yay me. Or that, you know, that person who isn't as successful as the rest of my friends, but takes in every stray cat in the neighborhood. Yay her, you know, we need to, I think, celebrate ourselves and each other a lot more. And that will allow the world to celebrate us because that energy of celebration is what we create. But we also need to look at our nasty bits. You know, I, I, it, it is so hard and kids are great. I mean, I know you guys have kids are wonderful because kids will pick out all of your phony, braggy stuff and throw it right in your face and you want to smack them, but actually it's thank you because I would not have looked at that and you're making me look at that and, you know, this is only going to make my life better. But we're kind of twisted into thinking, oh no, we have to look at these things because it's the right thing to do. If it's the right thing to do and it doesn't make your life better, think about it twice. You look at that stuff because that stuff gets in the way of your getting what you want in your life. If you're withholding from someone else, believe me, there's some place you're withholding in yourself. If you're having no boundaries and letting someone harm you, believe me, there's a place you're harming someone else. You know, you can't cheat in life. There, you are what you create. And I think that there's this feeling that, oh, well, if I'm creating something bad, am I bad? No. The subconscious is subconscious and it, it does take a lot. I, I think of adulthood as working through our childhoods. I mean, even a perfect childhood doesn't prepare you. Yeah. You know, life comes in many parts and all of those parts have those challenges. And in all of those challenges, we realize the defect of who we were before but it was adaptive at the time and isn't now. So the more you're willing to look at yourself without beating yourself up for the you know shortcuts you may have taken or the transactional things you may have had to do or the people who you would prefer your children would not meet and that you have been, you know, or you, the more that you can say, okay, I did what I did to survive, yay me. I know better now. And so I can't allow myself that same latitude. You know, I know better now. And now, you know, yay me for the next step because I'll look back on this in 10 years if I'm growing and say, oh my God, I can't believe it. Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I have a question, if I can. It's not business related. Actually, it could be. It's kind of about for anyone listening. So, okay, I'll just say I, I struggle with this and I see other people struggling with when do you know that either a relationship or a job or a commitment of some kind is no longer serving you versus you just need to buck up and grow and rise to it? Because you'll see people, for example, you know, on the fence, should they break up with this person or not? Should they just surrender and be more flexible and more forgiving? Is it a lesson in forgiveness or is it a lesson in, in incompatibility? And the same goes for like a job, like you're struggling at work. Is it a lesson in 
know, becoming more responsible and more of a leader, or is it a sign that this job no longer serves you? So do you have any like concrete yes. functional ways someone can know when the end, when something should be over? Yes. First of all, your lesson shouldn't harm you. So whether it's a relationship or a job, is this harming me? Because your first responsibility is to self. And if it's harming you, and we always think of a breakup or don't break up, but people tend to break up in stages. And if this is harming me, so for example, my serving meal was adaptive when I was a parent. In my relationship, it wasn't adaptive. And my husband grew to expect it. And that was what our day was, but it really interfered with my creativity. Before I would say, okay, I'm not creating anything because I'm putting three meals a day on the table. I tried putting one meal a day on the table. And then we tried taking turns. So, you know, I dealt with what was harmful to me and found that actually he was, he's fine making a cheese plate. He's fine opening a can of sardines. I was the one who wasn't fine. If it's harming you, then you need to neutralize the harm. And if you can't neutralize the harm, then it is time to leave. However, the the thing about leaving, whether it's a person or a job, I found that the most useless thing to tell someone in an abusive relationship is you have to leave. Because they've said that a hundred times, and if they could have left, they would have. A more adaptive thing is to say, okay, why isn't this person leaving? What would help them leave intact? Oh, taking a night class that their partner doesn't know about because their partner wouldn't allow it, obviously. Taking a night class would actually help them leave because they'd feel they'd have a place where they felt good about themselves. They'd meet other people who could help them transition out but how do I get them to take a night class? Because of course, people are afraid to do things that make them make healthy moves or they would have made the healthy move. So this is where I call it angling information help. You know, you can often say, you know, if you took a night class, I think your feeling of self-respect would make your partner respect you more. Now you're not lying because you never lie in a it is true, it would make the partner respect them more because they would walk out the door, but that you don't have, you can leave out the second part of that sentence. So it's, you know, there are ways in which we maneuver with ourselves. I don't like to exercise. The joke is I'm anaerobic, but, but I remind myself and having, you know, having a toned, I'm, I'm been skinny my whole life, but having a toned body, not that big a deal because I'm not at an age where I put it on a bikini anyway, and in pants, I look great. So I have to kind of find a way to manipulate myself. And what's my way? I'm hyper anxious, as most psychics are. That's that hyper awareness. I know that after I work out, I'm going to just feel so happy. I'm going to make those yummy neurotransmitters. So I bribe myself as I'm thinking, oh my God, I don't want to move. It's not worth it for muscle strength and bone density. I think, oh yeah, but it is worth it not to feel anxious all day. And so again, back to your question of job and relationship, how do you know it's time to leave? You, you need to live your daily life and encourage your friends and children and clients to do the same in a way that you are doing what's healthy for you. When something's not healthy, you find the least confrontational or the least burdensome way to change it. And what you'll find is in making those changes, those healthy changes, you will end up leaving a bad job or leaving a bad relationship. And you'll end up adapting to a relationship that can be wonderful and shifting how you behave in a job that can be wonderful. And that will be the determining factor. Thank you. Well, Laura, we're coming up on an hour and I wanted to ask if you feel intuitively that there is a message that you have for the people listening if right now, whoever is listening, if you feel like there is some broad message for everyone to hear, or if, and if you don't feel inspired, we'll take this out. But if you do feel inspired, if there's a message coming through to you for everyone listening, what would that be today? Well, I mean, I, my messages are far more logical than intuitive. There are always 
going to be difficulties. That's life in a material reality. There are always going to be opportunities as well. Focus on those opportunities. It doesn't mean you don't pat yourself on the back and hug yourself through the difficulties, but move toward the opportunity. And that takes the D word, which nobody likes, which is discipline. Move toward the opportunities, offer what you have to give, ask for what you need, and you'll find that it isn't the pandemic that helped you find love or hindered your finding love. It's a pandemic. There are new rules for it. Find out what the rules are. Go toward what you can do and create what you want in your life because you can always create what you want in your life. I have been teaching now for 40 years and I have seen people create really fairly easily miracles in their lives by simply making a tiny shift, not even believing on it, just trying out something a little different. I've also seen people avoid such easy good fortune by being unwilling to do just that. Just because something, you don't have to believe in something for it to work. You simply need to put one foot in front of the other, keep your awareness, teaching you always where to make shifts and persevere. And you will create what it is you want perhaps in a slightly different way that you envisioned as the old you. I love that. Yeah. I I would like to speak about sleep work for a moment because (laughs) because it's truly the only easy thing about life is sleep work. So when you're awake, you use your intellect, your intuition, your telepathy, your precognition, all of your skills, you use those skills to survive. And to protect yourself, because they're all survival skills. We are mammals, and that's our job. When you're asleep, however, those same skills can work for you to resolve issues, find you opportunities, heal relationships. So so what I suggest people do, and don't do this every night, because it is working in your sleep. That's why we call it sleep work. It's not dream work. Dream work is working through your subconscious, it's sleep work. So don't do it every night, but once or twice a week, write down something that you want fixed in your sleep. And then before you go to sleep, notice anything and anyone you're connected to and ask their help energetically. So for example, let's say you're having what seems like an unsolvable argument with your best friend, or you're having trouble finding a job, or You've been skipped over for a promotion and you want to be in that. You want to be in a place professionally that works or you're not finding a partner and you really want one. Ask for what you want. I want to find a partner who I can share a wonderful and secure and passionate life with. Write it down. Go to sleep. Do that maybe two nights a week until that really begins happening in your life. And what you'll notice is that all of a sudden, things pop up in regard to that during the day, because at night, you've used your ability to travel, to negotiate, you you have called, the other people you've called in have been helping you out. And perhaps you've been helping them too, below your conscious awareness. So sleep work is a time where you can use your precognition, your telepathy, your body heat, your mediumship, your ability to travel in time and space to pre-negotiate your life. I really suggest you pick one thing and you stick to it until it's well on its way to being created. And you'll know when you've created something because, I mean, for such a long time, I worked on love in my sleep work. And then I got bored. Why? Because I had a husband. I didn't want to work on love anymore. I mean, I had love. I wanted to work on some other neurotic fixation I was having, you know, some other thing that was missing from my life. So, so before sleep, write down what you want, ask for help. And then when you wake up, just notice during your day, what comes in that shows you that you've done the work. It's so powerful and so simple as are many of the most powerful things. 
If you enjoyed this interview with Laura Day, we recommend that you go to her website, lauraday.com. She is holding a practical intuition training intensive, aka a boot camp, in February of 2022. We hope that you've enjoyed this bonus episode and have a wonderful day. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.